If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! So the Nemours culture, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you can just take a test on, and it's, it's who you are. It's another edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm Carol Vassar, and that was the voice of Susan Soderberg, Nursing Professional Excellence Coordinator for the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. We'll hear more from her in a few minutes, but first, let's meet her NCH colleague, Certified Child Life Specialist Emily Bradley, who has her own take on the unique culture found within Nemours. I love how much of a melting pot we are here. You very rarely hear, oh, this is how we've done it for 20 years. This is just how we do it. Everyone is kind of coming from somewhere different and pulling the best parts of where they come from to make the best experience for our patients. So everyone's kind of working together. Well, I did this somewhere and I did this somewhere. How can we put those different ideas together to really make the best of the best? Everyone is so willing and open to trying something new, um, to creating new programs, just to working together. Um, And that does not happen everywhere. Um, You know, I think institutions that have been around for a very, very long time, you get more of that. This is just how it's done. There's no room to change or have any discussion. But here, I think there's just so much opportunity for development and advancement and problem solving. As a child life specialist, I work very closely with, obviously, the other child life specialists on our team, and then I work very closely um, with bedside nurses, patient care techs, physicians, really anyone a part of the treatment team. We are an integral part of the interdisciplinary team. We're making sure that patients understand why they're here, what's happening, make sure there isn't the fear of the unknown, that they're prepared for whatever experience is coming, and then have the tools to cope through it. So without that good communication and good relationship with the rest of the team, we're not able to support patients our best. We really rely on them to help share some of the information on what's going on or what they think patients are struggling with the most so that we can then come in and address that with the patient. As far as the rest of the child life team, I mean, we communicate with each other all day, every day. We're a very small team. And so, you know, we help each other out. We know when someone's having a rough day or a really busy day that, Dr. Pepper is their favorite. So I'm going to go get a Dr. Pepper. I'm just going to leave it on their desk. Um, We all are huge coffee drinkers. We all, for the most part, all have dogs and love our dogs and our fur babies. So we know each other and work so well together that we just, we almost can finish each other's sentences. It's so funny. We just support each other so well on a professional, but also on a personal basis. How do you think that influences the patient experience? I think it has a direct impact on the patient experience because when you're feeling good yourself, you're able to give really good experiences to others. It goes back to filling your own cup and not working from an empty cup. When you're feeling supported and engaged, you want to work as hard as you can um, for the organization, but also for the patients and families. So I think without a really strong team and without good team morale and dynamics, we wouldn't be able to give as 
good of a quality of care to patients that we do now. When I gave Emily the chance to recognize someone right here on the podcast for displaying discretionary effort, she pointed to the work of music therapist Nicole Kirby, who was featured on the podcast in episode 28. Her work with patients and families is amazing. And she, her mind is always just thinking, how can she best meet the individual needs of patients and families um, and try to tailor what she does really specifically to that one kid and what they really like. But she also is such a great team member and just really, I think, knows how to support each person on our team and when they need something or maybe when they don't. Um, So she just always brings such a like fresh light to our team and to our patients and families. What do you like best about your job and the work you do? I love when I can see a child feel proud of themselves for getting through something difficult. There's a lot of things that happen here that kids don't want to do, and they have no choice in that. They have to do it, and it's either painful or it's long or whatever it is that they don't want to do it for. When I can help them master that experience and I see them feel proud and masterful and feel accomplished and feel ready to take it on the next time, that's what I like most. I really like um, just being able to set them up with those coping skills so that hopefully one day they don't need me. They have those coping skills for themselves and can get through a difficult experience. Are there parts of the job that are not so much your favorite (laughs) that you don't like? Um, Yeah. I mean, there's definitely rough days. You know, I think having more of a psychosocial background can be difficult sometimes. Um, Sometimes there's things that are more medically necessary and psychosocial needs have to get pushed aside. So sometimes those days are really difficult and it's obviously not a super great experience when, you know, kids really do still struggle when they have all the support, they've had all of the preparation, all of the coping strategies, and they still just have a very difficult time getting through something. Those are the hard days where, you know, I feel like, oh my gosh, am I good at my job? Did I do like, you know, what I could for them? Or is there something else I could have tried? And that's where, you know, I lean on my team and we engage in like clinical supervision and we'll talk through, you know, I had this case and I tried XYZ and it didn't work. Like would somebody have tried something else? So how can we learn from each other and our experiences and brainstorm to better our skill set and be the best clinicians that we can be? Yeah, it definitely can be. You know, we really act as almost a liaison between the patient and family and the medical team, and we can help advocate for some of their needs that may not arise in a conversation with a physician or a nurse. Um, Sometimes we're just diving a little bit deeper. We're talking about different things and maybe fears or misconceptions will come out of those conversations, and we can communicate that to the medical team and then help to influence either the treatment plan or timing of care or just some of those things. So communication is is really big, <laughs> as I'm sure everyone has said. Um, communication is always key. But, but yeah, we just all try and work together to do what's best for patients and families. Emily Bradley is a certified child life specialist at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Emily's NCH colleague, Susan Soderberg, serves Nemours as the Nursing Professional Excellence Coordinator. She's been a nurse for 15 years, much of that time as a bedside nurse and as a clinical nurse manager in the NICU of another hospital. As RN coordinator for the Nursing Professional Excellence team, Susan oversees the nationally competitive one-year Nemours Nurse Residency Program. 
The one-year Nemours Nurse Residency Program is a chance provided to a select group of just 10 new graduate nurses from across the nation. Susan has a role in choosing the best candidates for the residency, which assists these nurses transition into the professional practice of nursing. The residency is intense. Here's what cohort number four has been doing recently. They um, had about 16 weeks that they had a little bit of hospital orientation, as well as orientation on their floors. And the other folks on my team, the educators and clinical nurse specialists, hosted weekly education um, days on different skills that they would need. Respiratory, endocrine, all the body systems. So they had takeaways of education days, and then they would incorporate that in their practice. After that point, they have evidence-based practice uh, sessions. We also have a really great component of mentoring and debriefing where they can spill anything that they need to spill about what they're learning in their transition to becoming a, a professional nurse. We give them the comprehensive tools that they need to be able to provide that safe and quality care. We encourage them of our open door policy that you can come to any of the managers, any of the directors, any of the educators, if they are you know, needing some more help or support or questions, um, we would love to give them the one-on-one education that they need to help them thrive. Given the competitive nature of the Nemours Nurse Residency Program, what helps a candidate stand out in Susan's eyes? You can, I can see it on their face immediately if, if pediatrics is for them and if the Nemours culture is for them. They have to love what they are going to learn how to do and they have to love children as well as the patient's um, families. The families is the other component of the role. My history is neonatology, so my babies could never talk back to me. So it was the the moms and the dads and the grandmas and grandpas that were just as much of the, the care that you give. You know, academics is one thing, but how you interact with those patients and families is really the true story. You said that fitting into the Nemours culture, I don't think you put mm-hmm. it quite that way, was something you look for. Talk about the Nemours culture from your perspective. The Nemours culture is a family. I know that if I needed my daughter to receive care, this would be the place that she would come. It's a family of people that love what they do and give 110% of what they do. And, you know, they're, they're working day in and day out. Their minds are constantly going with ways that we can make our, our kids better and stronger and faster. And I know most of the people on my team wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh my gosh, I need to think about adding that to to teach our new grads, or we need to bring that to the education um, for our groups. So the Nemours culture, it's 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 a lifestyle. It's, it's not something, you kind of already have to have it ingrained in you. It's not something that you can just take a test on, and it's, it's who you are. So tell me about the members of your Nemours family. Who do you work with? Who's your team? And, and give them a shout out. Yeah, so so that is my nursing professional excellence team. So we're kind of a, an interesting group. We have two, soon to be three, clinical nurse specialists, as well as four educators that do our unit and hospital-based education, and then another coordinator um, that does surgical and quality coordination, and then myself, as well as our director, Tony Christofferson. And we couldn't do everything that we do without our amazing EA, Christine. That's Christine Loretano, by the way. She serves as the team's executive assistant. Susan came to Nemours just over a year ago into a position she wasn't quite certain she was ready for. 
but those around her had every confidence that her own passion, skill, and experience made her the right person at the right time. And Susan has thrived. I do well when I'm brought out of my comfort zone. And I think I had been in my comfort zone far too long. And between people and friends and just different life events, I was snatched out of my comfort zone and encouraged to apply here. I didn't think that it was anything that I was ready for yet in my career, but I guess others thought I was. And I have not stopped learning in the year that I've been here. And I am so thankful for my team because they have helped me learn and have guided me and helped me. And um, it's been an amazing one year. Susan Soderberg serves Nemours as the Nursing Professional Excellence Coordinator based at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Finally today, let's talk once again with orthopedist Dr. Sarah Gibson, whose specialty is pediatric sports medicine which at times comes as a bit of a surprise to people. I speak to a lot of people who, when they ask me what I do and I say it's pediatric sports medicine, they look at me kind of perplexed and say, that's a thing. Like, isn't sports medicine specialized enough? Do you really need to do pediatric sports medicine? And uh, it is a a very unique niche because children still have open growth plates, which um, make them more susceptible to different injuries than you would see in adults. And then sometimes similar injuries like a meniscus tear, you would treat oftentimes different. You can repair them in a lot of cases in a child than in adults where there are very few cases that you can repair. So why did Dr. Gibson choose her specialty with its focus on kids? They're fun. It's nice. And they're usually pretty healthy, and they're very engaged about getting better. They, they want to go back to their, you know, their sports that they love. One sport that kids love is tennis, and Orlando is now a hub for training the up-and-comers on the tennis circuit. That's because the U.S. Tennis Association, USTA, opened their training center not far from NCH. So a partnership between USTA and Nemours was a natural, and Dr. Gibson is part of it. I think it's about four years ago, they opened their brand new uh, national campus in Orlando, just very close to Nemours. And we are partnered with them, with the Andrews Institute, to provide medical care. It's fun because a lot of the top players, we will get to meet them and work with them as juniors or kind of before they've really broken through. And then it's fun to kind of watch their career progress and they move into the top 50, the top 25. It's really exciting. Tell me about the, the people you work with, the team that surrounds you, that helps you to, uh, to serve these kids. Well, um, we are very fortunate here. I'm one of three non-operative sports medicine doctors, and all three of us are involved at the USTA. Uh, We have five or six um, orthopedic surgeons in our group right now as well. Dr. Gibson herself played sports growing up, lots of different sports, which raises the question of whether kids today should have variety and differentiation in the sports they play or specialize young. Parents, doctors, communities debate it all the time. And Dr. Gibson provides her own insights as an orthopedist on this controversial subject. I was never a great athlete when I was younger. I was the uh, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. It's weird because I would be on a different sport every season. And, you know, I loved it. And I did have an ACL injury when I was younger. But it's interesting now because 
there's so much early sport specialization where children start, they are not doing different sports in different seasons. They are at very early ages, 9, 10, 11, 12, selecting one sport that's going to be their focus and then playing it all year round. Uh, and that's a, an area of constant research and concern in our field that just the number of overuse injuries that we're seeing at younger and younger ages, you know, that can lead to burnout. What would your suggestion be to parents who are thinking, hey, my kid is really blossoming as a tennis player or a uh, basketball player and she's nine? What do you think of sports specialization? Is it yay, nay, or is the jury out? There are some sports where it's almost necessary, like gymnastics, uh, where if you're not very good when you're pretty young, then you're not going to get to the highest level in that um, sport. But for the most part, I think it is good to play a variety of different sports. I mean, a lot of people will see the Tiger Woods and the Serena Williams cases and say you need to specialize very early in order to be good. Not necessarily the case. The, The association of American Pediatrics has said that they kind of recommend ideally that a child should not play a sport for more hours than however many years old they are. If you are 10 years old, then ideally you shouldn't be playing any particular sport for more than 10 hours that week. And by playing, I mean playing or practicing any kind of sport-specific activity. Um, They also recommend ideally if you can take one or two, even ideally three months off from a sport um, each year that is good for you. And during the week, they recommend taking one day pretty much off of sports, totally, and then maybe another day where you play a different sport. Um, And it should give that body part that you use in your primary sport a little bit of a break. So if you're a swimmer and you're using your shoulders a lot, don't make your you know, alternative sport tennis, where you would then also be using your shoulder a lot, maybe play soccer on another day or something like that. I think it's just trying to control, you know, how the growth plates for most, for the most part in children are not really designed to be up to the stress of that kind of training. Dr. Sarah Gibson is an orthopedist specializing in pediatric sports medicine at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. Thanks to Sarah and Susan and Emily, too, for taking a few minutes to talk with me as part of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. You could be here, too. Just email your stories or that of a colleague to podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. The podcast can land in your smartphone or other device each week upon release, by the way. Just subscribe to it on your favorite podcast app. Thanks, as always, to our production team, Peter Adebe, Deborah Griffin, J.L. Puckett, and Jackie Williams. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts. And our words of wisdom today come from Emily Bradley. Take a minute to breathe and listen and just see if there's some small thing that we can do outside of the norm to meet a patient's individual needs. Instead of trying to look at just the list of tasks that we have to do and rush through them, just see what we could do to tweak that a little bit to really meet the needs of the patient and um, see if we can make their experience better in that way. I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for being with us on the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. And thank you for all you do for the patients and families across the Nemours enterprise. 